You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 2, and I'd like to pick up, up, up where we left off last night. Jeremiah chapter number 2, and I want to read something here tonight. And this will, again, not be a highly encouraging message. I will get on to the subject of missions tomorrow night, I believe, from Acts chapter 13. But I want us to look at Jeremiah chapter number 2, and let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 2, and I'd like to begin reading in verse number 9. Verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 2. Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead, for pass over the isles of Chittim and see, and send in a Kedar, and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation, next three words please, change their gods which are yet no gods, but my people have what? Changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. We have seen tonight in living color what happens when a nation forsakes their God, that eventually they will turn to other gods, such as paganism, pantheism, all of the gods that are now available, the false gods, in fact, the fastest growing religion in America tonight is the religion of none. In other words, you fill out your form, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, none. And that's one of the most fastest growing religions in the world. The problem is when you have none, eventually you will replace that none with something. Whether it's money or sports or whether it's ungodly pleasure, whether it's something that's out of bounds for the Christian life, or whether it's an actual false system such as Islam, or one of these false pagan religions that are so prevalent today. I want to speak on the subject of when a nation changes gods. We learned about when a nation forsakes God but I want to speak for a little while tonight on the subject of when a nation changes God's. Father, thank you for the word of God. We pray your blessing to rest upon it, how we need to hear from thee. We do pray you would bind the evil one from off of this meeting. May there be no interference of the devil, his lies, his demons. And may the spirit of God wonderfully work in our midst. Thank you again for this conference. Thank you for Brother Torres and their ministry that they're launching out in. We pray your blessing 
your power, your provision upon them from uh, in every capacity. Thank you for what you'll do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said together, Amen. you may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. Our text tonight is early in the prophecy of Jeremiah, who is known in the Bible as the weeping prophet. He was a contemporary of Ezekiel. Jeremiah was in Judah. He was in the city of Jerusalem prophesying to the people of Judah while the, of Jerusalem while Ezekiel was carried off into Babylon and prophesied among the captives there. In chapter number two, this man, Jeremiah, begins to see the devastating impact of what happens when people have turned away from God with their life. And he asked this unusual question in chapter two, and he said, for pass over the isles of, Ch of Chittim and see, send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. And here's the question. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? He said, has a nation literally changed the God that they once served and traded them in for those who are no gods, that are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be, astound, be astonished, O ye heavens, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, for my people have committed two evils. And here are the two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. They changed. They exchanged. They, they went to the God exchange and said, well, we'll give over our God for the gods of this world. We'll give over the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, the God who has done great and mighty things, the God of Elijah and Elisha and all these great men uh, that walk with him, and we'll trade it in for these icons and these statues of, uh, of Chemosh and these statues of Molech and these statues of the pagan gods that had invaded, invaded the city of Jerusalem. We will trade our God for the God of Molech who literally down in the, uh, in the Kidron Valley and down in the Valley of Topeth uh, where they would kill those babies and offer them up in pagan sacrifice. In fact, the word Topheth means the Valley of Beating Drums they would play drums there as they offered babies up in pagan sacrifice so that people would not hear the screams and be alarmed. And, and they had these loud beating drums to drown out the sound of these small infant uh, little children. And they literally changed that. They changed the Bible. They changed the God of the Bible for a pagan, ungodly, child-hating cult that literally desired to murder babies and even the unborn. And the, the prophet Jeremiah said, consider this, think about it, consider diligently, have the nation changed their gods, which are no gods. I want to speak for a, for a moment tonight when a nation changes God. 
First of all, they changed the glory of God. They said that they changed my glory or their glory in verse number, uh, verse number 12, verse number 11. They have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. And so they laid aside the glory of the one true and living God himself. And there's this judgment of God that comes because of that. They changed all the glory of the living God. You may want to turn to Romans chapter 1 quickly and Romans chapter 1 and you may want to look at that and look with me please to verse number 21 God said that because that when they knew not God when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful later on the Bible said they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into birds, in an image made like the corruptible man in verse number 23. They changed the glory of God. Secondly, they changed the judgments of God. They literally turned what was right from God and turned it around completely and they cast off what was right and began to embrace what was wrong. Listen, when I grew up, and uh, most of us grew up in a world, how many remember when it was wrong to lie? Have you remember when it was wrong to steal, to take something that did not belong to you, that you didn't work for? Have you remember a day uh, when uh, you could look at a child and say, did you do this? And they'd cry and say, I'm sorry. And nowadays they look right at you, man. I mean, they look at you like a professional liar and say, I didn't do it, and then blame it on their friend. And so they changed the judgments of God. The Bible said, speaking of the city of Jerusalem, she has changed my judgments into wickedness more than the nations, my statutes more than the countries that are round about her. He was saying to them, literally, they changed the word of God to fit and suit their culture. We have a generation now of wine-bibbing Christians. We have a generation of young people now who believe that wine and what they call social drinking is acceptable. You would be surprised how many young families now drink wine and drink beer and drink, and they say, well, we don't get drunk. Uh, Number one, that's not true. Say amen to that. I mean, who even wants to drink that stuff? It's terrible. And uh, when I was a young man, I was way into sin and trouble and all that goes along with it. I remember the first uh, drink that I took of Boone's Farm apple wine. I thought that was the worst thing I ever tasted in my life. But I acquired a taste for that. And I acquired a taste for other things and acquired a taste. Normally stuff you have to acquire a taste for is probably bad for you to begin with. Say amen. But they've changed. Changed the judgments. And now we have wine-bibbing preachers and wine-bibbing evangelists. I saw a picture on one of these Facebook posts a few years ago uh, with uh, Justin Bieber and Carl Lentz, who is the founder uh, of, the, uh, of the Hillsong Church, New York. He was the pastor there, and he was drinking shots with Justin Bieber, and had a bottle of whiskey in front of them, drinking a few shots with Justin. And people were saying, oh, how cool, how wonderful, how great. Listen, that's changing the Word of God. And they changed the judgments of God. They changed the glory of God. When a nation changes the truth of God, God said, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who has blessed forevermore. Amen. Romans 1, 25. 
They have changed the truth of the all true incorruptible God. Now how many remember a day when there was black and white? It was right and wrong. Amen? Now everything is somewhere in the middle. Somewhere your truth. Well, that's your truth. That's my truth. That's her truth. That's his truth. No, friends. Uh, the truth is the truth whether we like it or not. And the Bible said let God be true. Let every man be a liar. And yet we live in a generation now who have changed the truth of God into a lie. And then, of course, they changed the worship of God. They began to worship other things. They began to worship other false gods. In fact, some of the great reformers of your Bible, some of the great Old Testament men who had revivals, such as Josiah, they had to go in and clean the house of God first. They had to clean the temple. And when they cleansed the temple, that's when they found the book of the law. Well, the question is, whatever happened to it, why did they have to find it? It had been discarded. It had been laid aside. It had been covered with rubbish. You think about the many churches in, in the UK and now America. The many churches in America that have been converted into Islamic centers, converted into Masonic temples, converted into bars and bingo halls, converted into sports centers and this and that and gymnasiums. You understand this is happening all across America. It is happening around the world tonight. I remember a day uh, when even as a lost boy we would come into church and there was some respect there and we uh, realized we were in the house of God and there, there was something special about that and understand that that's gone. We have changed the worship of God. Now he said that they would worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever more. Amen. And do you understand that a few weeks from now, October 4th, many so-called churches across America will observe Animal Blessing Sunday. Animal Blessing Sunday. Can you fathom this? And I've seen pictures of people coming into church with their cats, their dogs, their boa constrictors. This strange woman had two or three tarantulas on her shoulder. I said, God bless you, amen? Uh, I mean, uh, came with tarantulas on her shoulder and, uh, and all these strange things and chinchillas and guinea pigs. And I saw a few years ago uh, an article from New York City at uh, the, the church was the uh, Cathedral of St. John the Divine in Manhattan, New York. They spearheaded this and the cardinal or the bishop would come in with great pomp and circumstance and say, oh, the greatest God in heaven of the animals and all, we call upon St. Francis of Assisi you know, these other ones, and we pray for them and we ask their blessing of the Lord upon animals. Now, wait a minute. I'm all for animals being blessed. I'm all for, you know, I love animals. How about you? Amen? And, uh, you know, I feel about cats, but I'm not going to go there. It's all right. And uh, that's your preference, and mine is, you know, dogs. And when I say dogs, I do not mean my Maltese. I mean a, a dog. <laughs> Normally, I like a dog that's out in the back of a pickup truck on Walmart, dog, free to good home. You know, and you don't know what kind it is, but come here, boy. You know what I love about a dog? Dogs will come when you call them. So if you're stuck in a snowbank and freezing to death, call your cat and let me know how it works out for you. I'm going to tell you, the dog will come because he's man's best friend. But we're all for that. We're not for cruelty to animals. And 
man, I would stop someone or try to intervene if I saw somebody hurting or wounding a, do a dog or a cat, even a cat. I wouldn't be for that. But I'm saying to you, there's not going to be a day where I'm going to bow down and worship any animal other than God himself. Bestiality is becoming a large part of our culture. We have people who have now changed and turned away from God, and now they are worshiping animals themselves. The National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. will host such an animal blessing Sunday, and people will come from all over. I mentioned the, uh, the church up in New York City. I mentioned Hill, Hillsong Church there. They call it a church. Several years ago now, they put on their colors uh, crusade, uh, a colors ladies conference. And in that conference, a man named Diego Simola, who was their youth pastor at the time, came in and made a very special appearance. He came in dressed, or undressed rather, as the naked cowboy. He came into a ladies conference with a cat, big cowboy hat, cowboy boots, very little else on, with a big guitar in front of him. And there's a man in New York City city called the Naked Cowboy who sings around the city and plays on the street corners and people hear him and they all screamed and carried on because the Naked Cowboy had made an appearance uh, in their ladies colors conference and sang a big song about America. I wouldn't have believed it if I had not seen the video with my own eyes and such a profane display. We found out later the pastor said, and it didn't go over, and the pastor of Hillsong made a statement. He said he snuck in the back door. Nobody knew he was coming. They got him in and ushered him out. When in reality, it was their youth pastor, whose name is Diego Simola, who did similar things in another party where he showed up the same way as Santa Claus with just about nothing on. Friends, that is an abomination in the house of God. That is not worship, uh, nor will it ever be. Do I have an amen? And so they change. They change God's, I know this is a hard message. I know this is strong. And yet by the grace of God, we must understand that tonight, as they've changed, the, uh, changed God's, they changed the worship of God, and sadly, America and many nations have changed the grace of God. We have turned the grace of God, according to Jude 4, God said, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In my pocket, I have a driver's license. I just got a new one, and it's uh, quite uh, colorful very nice, a Maryland driver's license. This gives me the right, this gives me the legal right to operate a vehicle. If I were to be pulled over, I would show it to the policeman. He would say, okay, very good. Let me stay right there. I'll be back. He'd go radio me in, check me out, come back and say, all right, go ahead. Uh, here's your warning. No, normally they don't do that. <laughs> Not <in> my case. <laughs> They're so nice. When the policeman is really nice to you, you're getting a ticket. So, I mean, this super nice guy, the last time I got pulled over last year, he said, okay, good to see you, sir. Where are you at? And I told him where I was going and this and that. He said, oh, great. Came back, said, well, here's your ticket. You can pay this or you can, you can appear in court. It was actually in North Carolina. And so, man, what a blessing. But I have a license to drive. And God said people would turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's a license to sin. That's a license to do whatever we want, 
whenever we want, still call ourselves the people of God, still say, how dare you question me whether I'm even saved. After all, I've been saved by the grace of God. I don't know about you, friends. The grace of God uh, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. In Titus 2.13, God made it very clear we're to be looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God. Now, when a nation changes gods, let me hurry here. Number one, they lose, they lose their purpose. You want to know why God has us in this world? Why does God have us in this building tonight? We are here for one primary reason. The Bible said, yea, let all that hath breath praise the name of the Lord. We are here to glorify Him. We are here to lift up his name. Some of you have been to the wilds, and it's been a while since I've been there, but they still have it in their cafeteria. And when you walk in to eat, you have to quote 1 Corinthians 10.31, where the Bible says whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever you do, do all what? To the glory of God. If you're not here for the glory of God, and your life is not driven for the, by the glory of God, your purpose is lived on such a low level that eventually that purpose will fail. The, we think about this wonderful missionary couple that's going to the UK, and we think about what God is doing in their life. They're not going there to glorify themselves. Brother Johnny's not going to go over and say, let's have a statue of Brother Johnny preaching. They're going there to glorify God. They're going there to lift him up. They're going there to show a lost and pagan uh, nation now called the UK and that entire region that there's a God in heaven who loves them and wants to save them, not a God who wants to destroy their babies and destroy their family a God who wants them to have life and have it more abundantly. That's the God we serve tonight. How many believe this? The Lord is good. And understand, you lose that when you change gods. You say, well, I'm glad I haven't changed God. Well, if you trade God in for a career, if you trade the Lord in for money or fame or success, or a relationship, or something out of bounds for your life, we lose our purpose as the people of God. We lose, there's a loss of principle. The judgments and statutes of God have now been replaced in this great nation. America was based, based on the Old Testament and the New called the Judeo-Christian ethic. I have read the Constitution. I have been to most of the buildings in Washington around the Capitol building. I have seen the evidence of the Bible and Christianity all over that place. I've been to Plymouth Harbor where the early Christians came in and I read some of their tombs and their epitaphs uh, there on the side of a, a hill way up on looking overlooking the harbor and nearly every one of them looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, to live for Him for the grace of God. It was all about the Bible. It was all about God. It was all about His glory. And sadly, I came down from that cemetery. It's a fairly famous cemetery behind a little church up on the hill. And the church on their marquee in front of the building said, this weekend we will celebrate gay pride 
in Plymouth Harbor and a large parade will be involved. We will be participating, celebrating gay pride right there where our nation was founded. We've changed. We have changed God's. And we lose our principles. We lose our purity. I'm not going to spend time on some of the things we mentioned last night. Whatever happened to people blushing at sin? How many remember a day when you would mention certain things and people get uncomfortable? How many remember a day where if something was put on the television, mom or dad would run and turn it off suddenly? I mean, if you were to take 40 or 50 years ago and just, just flash TV back or bring people from that generation suddenly into the average living room tonight and turn on the TV, uh, not, I don't mean the bad stuff, I mean major programming. Old grandpa would say, get out of the way, get the shotgun off the mantelpiece, shoot it right out of the front. He wouldn't even cry about it. He'd get old Bessie and blow the front of the TV out. He would. So what is this? But a little bit at a time, small degrees, by small increments, we've gotten used to things. We were watching something and there was a curse word. A few minutes later, they used the curse word again. It wasn't some horrible, but it, well, well, they're all horrible. But they used another curse word. I said, what is this? This looks like a pretty wholesome show. Why do they even have to do that? And so we agreed said, well, if they do that again, we'll turn it off. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you hear me? I just said if they curse again, we're going to turn it off. Let's just turn it off now. And I wanted to watch the show. Don't get me wrong. I was getting into it. That's what they do. They lure you in and then bleep, bleep, and bleep. They bring it in and you're going, uh. uh we tried. Have you tried one of those TV angels or whatever they call them? TV guardians. This will work. All it was just people going, there was no talking. There was no noise. Everything was bleeped out. And so understand the fact that we are, we've lost our purity as a nation. We've lost the purity and holiness of God in our lives. I do not mean being narrow-minded Pharisees. I'm not referring to us, you know, all we ever look at, well, do you see that guy, how he was dressed? Do you see her? you look at her? I said, no, actually, I wasn't. I was looking at my wife, say amen to that. And I mean, you know, and do you see all that? you see all this? I'm not talking about being uh, part of a Baptist smoke-smelling committee everywhere we go. I think he's been smoking again. Amen. But I am saying we ought to be pure-minded and pure-hearted people for the glory of God. God said there'd be a day in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where all that would change as we turned away from God and men would be lovers of their own selves and lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. There was a loss of power and a loss of protection. I love Psalm 31, 23 where God said, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Do you understand that God keeps his preservation around our life? I could never send one of my children to a place like the UK to go there and have a family and raise children there other than the fact that I know 
that we have a God who preserves the faithful. Other than the fact that we have a God who hedges his children around with his presence. My wife and I have been in situations where uh, probably uh, without the Lord, I would have never taken my wife there. I would never would have been in that spot to knock on a door or go visit a family in some places where uh, really uh, we may actually be in danger to go help somebody out for the glory of God, but to know that God is with us and know his presence is there. Listen, Molech's not going to help you. Uh, The God of this world's not going to help you. Baal is not going to help you. These gods, in fact, uh, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah said, uh, where are they? Are they on a far journey? Are they talking? Are they asleep? What's going on? We have a God who never slumbers, who never sleeps. Why would anyone ever want to change God's? And I could, be, I could belabor the point, and we could all leave depressed of how far our nation has strayed. When I got saved, it was every, uh, every, every, Sunday was all day. Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday, we had Bible study. The pastor called me and said, hey, Lou, I hear you can sing a little bit. I said, not very good. That's good enough. <laughs> that works in a Baptist church. Say amen to that. And uh, they had a quartet. And uh, nowhere near as good as the one we just had. And, and uh, they said, you could come and sing. I said, sing? Yeah, try it out. I said, okay. I went over to the pastor's house on Thursday night for quartet practice. And we started this little quartet up. And actually, we turned out to be pretty good, believe it or not. And uh, they said, we're going to back up a famous gospel quartet. And I said, that's great. We went, we sang first, and then the quartet sang. And I said, I'm not going back out there. It was the cathedrals. <laughs> and, uh, and we backed it. And, then, and the cathedrals are on the front row. Come on, boys. Great. They were the nicest guys. And I, I said, I'm not going back. Go ahead. I mean, they were so, you know, they were professionals. And, but understand I got involved in that. And the pastor said, we do have a radio broadcast in the church. I said, Lou, could you help out? Sure. I didn't know that meant I'd be over his house after quartet practice until 2 and 2.30 in the morning. We're talking about the big old reels that you had to go back, rewind, splice them together, do all this. I said, well, this only takes a few minutes, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> what, was about the, what was that point about the truth? Anyway... <laughs> But he reeled me in. That's what preachers do. Say amen right there. And man, I got in. But you know what? It wasn't a duty. I couldn't wait. He had a Friday night prayer meeting. I started going to that. I realized one day I was in church every day. The youth pastor had to quit suddenly on just a a sudden turn of events. They said, Brother Rossi, can you help with the youth? I said, I just got out of the world, man. I just got saved eight or nine months ago. I would have never let me do what he asked me to do. I wouldn't have put my kids in a bus with me. <laughs> I was insane, man. <laughs> I got rid of my car and uh, had a cool you know, sports car, and I got rid of that. I wanted to become unworldly, and I bought a Volkswagen Squareback. You talk about the dumbest-looking car ever. It was an ugly car, almost as bad as AMC Pacer. Amen to that? But, and I picked kids up for the youth group. And I, I mean, we had, we had so many kids smash into that thing one time. I put a piece of plywood right down the middle 
and just smash boys on one side, girls on the other. I mean, if they tried to do anything between that plywood, they got splinters all over their lips. But it was great. And little by little, I got in both feet. And all of a sudden, I found God starting to deal with me about being a preacher and learning the Word of God. I went to Bible school. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to church going on, just having church? I mean, stirred up. And I'm for, I know we have children. We have things to do, all of it. I get it. We have school, very important things for our lives. But whatever happened to just getting in? Now, now we get in, and we're more worried about getting out than we are to stay in for a while. And I think about that. Have we, a little bit at a time, have we changed God's? And tonight, I think about the way back. Long story made very short. Jeremiah spoke to a people in bondage. He spoke to them while they were in captivity in Babylon, living over in uh, by the river Kibar. They had a, a village there, basically down to the southeast of the city of Babylon. There they were waiting for their deliverance. He said, it's going to be 70 years. I don't want you to fret and I don't want you to pine away. In fact, I want you to build houses. I want you to dig yourselves in. I want you to dig gardens. And they rebelled at this. God's going to bring us back. No, you're going to be here for 70 years. And he said, you shall seek me, Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. And in spite of where we are as a nation, in spite of where we are as a society, the God we serve, is still available today. He's available for your family. He's available for your marriage. He's available for your workplace. He is available to restore you and to cleanse you and help you to get right and stay right. He is available to set you free from bondage and addiction and the things that you've been convinced by the devil himself that you'll never be free from. He's still available tonight if you'll seek Him and make Him your God, Him your chief joy, and to turn back to God once again. Let's bow our heads, please, and our hearts together with our heads bowed. And you say, what's this have to do with missions? We saw pictures of some of the great missionaries, Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, Adoniram Judson left in a cold January day, sleeting rain out of New England in a small dinghy to go out to the ship lest they would miss the tide. He and his little bride of just a few days went to a place they had never seen, to Burma. And they wanted to go there to reach the Burmese people his wife only lasted a few years and died. God gave him another wife and he stayed and he stayed and he stayed against all hope and against all counsel and against all odds. 
And by the grace of God, the New Testament that is used now in what is known as Minamar, the New Testament was translated by Adoniram Judson. J. Hudson Taylor became, became Chinese. He changed his attire, his face, his hair, everything he could to reach those people. David Livingstone, he said, bury my heart in Africa. Bury it there on the mission field. Do you understand? These are people who never change God's. They looked to the one true living God and they stayed. How many would say, I want to seek him tonight? I want him to be my God. I want him to be the only God of my life. Solely and exclusively. Could I see your hands tonight around the room? I want him to be the God of my family and my children. I want him to be my God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.